boast. Oh, keeps going. Boasty. Like toasty. <laughs> it's like toasty, but with boasting. Hmm. Well, I will I'll put you on hold for a second here. Let me think about this one. You know, I don't know if boasty is a word. You know, that's a little bit too long for me to know for sure. But, you know, I'm going to let you keep it. And the reason why is because you just gave me a pretty good play. So. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Braindrop Puzzles, a show all about puzzles, riddles, mysteries, and games. This week we're going to lean a little more heavily into the games part of that description. So, okay, so there's a game that involves words and squares, and you have to decide which letters to put in which square, and it's really popular. And you have to keep track of which letters that you've played and which you still have left to make words with. Come on, you know this. It's about words and ends with L-E. Yep, you guessed it. It's Scrabble. Oh, you were thinking... But seriously, no, this is a special episode in which I talk to an expert-level Scrabble player, uh, my friend Steven Sneed, while also playing a game of Scrabble with him. Uh, to be fair, he's also a pretty expert-level Wordle player, but that's um, not the point of this episode. And not to get too boasty, but uh, I do lose by an impressive margin. And full disclosure, this interview has been sitting around for kind of a while. I think it's about from four years ago, so it's when I was still kicking around ideas about this podcast. And anyway, I've just kind of held on to it for a while, but I've been wanting to share it, so I hope you enjoy it. You still get uh, three puzzles but it'll be more Scrabble-themed today. Before that, though, let me run quickly through the solutions from the previous episode. Uh, the first one I had, it was Rip Off Rick's Cup Shuffle, right, where he there's four cups and you're guessing where the bean is, and he moves it to an adjacent cup between each guess, and then the answer to find the bean in four tries was B, C, C, B. Uh, and then Normal Ned's Pick a Cup was also there, and he doesn't move it between each guess so you, know, you can guess whatever a b c d and the question was which one gave you a better odds of winning and the answer is actually rip off ricks um, because even though it follows a similar pattern like the first guess is one out of four the the second guess there are three options the uh, third guess there are two options and then you'll get it on the fourth guess um, the odds for each cup are not necessarily even I'm going to give you one quick simple puzzle to illustrate why the odds would be different for different cups. Let's say I have three cups and a bean is hiding under one of them and I say, you know, and I just put it randomly under one and I say for you to guess. So as far as you're concerned, it's a one out of three chance per cup. So it doesn't really matter which one you pick. But just as you're about to pick, I say, hold on a second, turn around, close your eyes. Um, I've decided actually that for whatever reason, I don't want the bean to be where it is. I've, I'm going to move it one place over. Okay, and then you can turn back around, and now you guess. Now you may think, well, it's still a one out of three chance. I didn't know where it was to begin with. I don't know where it is now. But is that the case? Which one would you guess in that instance? And I'm just going to leave you on that one. But similar things are happening. That's why you would pick Rip Off Ricks 
instead of normal Neds. Second puzzle was Ripoff Rick now has a thousand cups and a bean hiding under one of them. And again, between each guess, he moves it just one place to an adjacent cup. And so uh, it was a penny per guess and how many, how much money would you need to bring in order to guarantee that you would find the bean and also how would you do it, I guess. So the answer, so with the four cups, it was B, C, C, B. With five cups, it would be B, C, D, D, C, B. And so you can kind of see the pattern there with a thousand cups. I can't do it with letters. There's not that many. So we'll just say um, it would be cup two, three, four, five, and so on, all the way up to 996, 997, 998, 999, then 999 again, 998, 997, and all the way back down to 432. And that would guarantee that you find it. So that's a total of uh, 1,996 guesses. So if each guess is a penny, that's $19.96, which is ever so slightly better than the $20 you were spending when there were four cups. But, you know, you'd be there all night, so it's still probably not worth it. Okay, the other two puzzles I had were a kind of continuation of those puzzles where you're finding um, titles or phrases sort of between pairs of words. So with wham, lethal, there was hamlet. So the one I gave you was fried peas, tomato, enchiladas. If you rearrange those words, then you will find East of Eden, which is a book by John Steinbeck. Second one, you were looking for an idiom, actually, but the phrase that I gave you was I, whenever the ogreish ash island yawned. And um, you rearrange that, you will find every dog has his day. And you have to lose the, um, the the in order to find that. So that's it. If you want to comment or have any questions about those, you can email me at puzzles at braindroppodcast.com. But for now, let's get to this interview with Stephen, uh, where I asked him kind of about his journey to Scrabble expertishness. Most of my family would play Scrabble, and I really was interested in it. And I got this little sheet that had all the two-letter words, and I memorized them all. And I, I thought that would be really helpful to have. And it turns out it is really helpful to have all the two-letter words memorized because we started playing. And I got pretty good by just playing my family. And I was also an ESPN nut because I would, I would watch ESPN a lot. And all of a sudden, when I was watching ESPN one time, up comes a Scholastic Scrabble tournament on ESPN and I was like what is this this is this is actually like my dream this is what I've always wanted <laughs> so it was just a just an amazing uh thing to see because I was like oh I thought it was just for chess I didn't know Scrabble was also a big game and so um when I saw that I was I was looking at the game and I was watching I was like I, I think I can I can not maybe not beat these guys but I can I can roll with them. I can probably yeah. do pretty well. And so so I, I started thinking, uh, well, I started looking up Scrabble clubs and most of them were through schools and everything. And we, we emailed one Scrabble club and they got back to us and they said, yeah, we meet every Tuesday night. And turns out that that is the Scrabble club where a lot of directors would would like directors of Scrabble tournaments played. And it was a, actually one of the main Scrabble, uh, Scrabble clubs in the US, I would say. And so it was a really good challenge. I 
I went there and I was really young. I went with my mom because I mean, obviously just going to this random place. I didn't know who was always gonna be there. And I was the youngest one there by about 35 years. Um, <laughs> so I think the next person in line was about 50 or 40, yeah, 45 or so. And um, I won my first game, but then I promptly lost like my next 10 or something like that. But it was fun to start out with. When I was playing there, I didn't know what, I was thinking, well, I'm too young to play in tournaments, so. But maybe, you know, maybe I can do some of the Scholastic tournaments, maybe am I too old for that? And I actually, this was gonna be my last year where I was actually uh, eligible. And so they had a Texas Scholastic Scrabble tournament. And I thought it was gonna be pretty challenging. You know, if you if you get first, you get like a free bid into the Nationals. And that Nationals was what I was watching on TV. And so I really wanted to be able to at least win the Texas tournament because that would help save quite a bit of money and everything. Um, a lot of stuff was paid for. Um, I went to the Scholastic tournament and I was thinking it was gonna be really difficult, but I mean, most of it was just schools where I'd been playing with adults for oh, about six months at that point in time. And so, so I won that tournament and they gave me the bid into the national tournament. And so I, I went there and we, we had made friends with another person there who went to one of the adult tournaments. I, went, I, did, I played one tournament before the Scholastic Nationals because I wanted to see what it was like to play in a real tournament and everything. And, but I met I met somebody who was going to the Scholastic Nationals there and his name was Joey Krafchick. And Joey Krafchick um, was, he was very good. And he had just gotten second place to a guy, Matthew Silver. And they, they actually were going again, they were young enough to actually appear again at the Scholastic National level and so, I was like, oh man, these guys are the ones to be. These are the guys I saw on TV. And it was just amazing that I actually was able to talk with Joey and become friends with him. And the Scholastic Nationals, I ended up losing to him, actually. We actually ended up meeting each other. There was about 120 people. I was like, oh no, I had to play him. But he was my only loss. So um, I didn't make it into the final round, which was kind of, they take the top two people and that's the game that's that you see on television. But I had a lot of fun with that. And I was thinking, man, I really want to go to some other tournaments because this was like first time I've been on a plane. I was going to Rhode Island and it was just, you know, just kind of a crazy experience. So so after this Scholastic National Tournament, he moves on to the, uh, the bigger national tournament that uh, all ages are welcome to. But before that, let's get to our first puzzle. Puzzle one. Yay! <laughs> Uncasted. This puzzle was set by Steven, so I'll let him do it. So this is the one that I can I can I, I can just not tell you the answer for and I can just leave you with and it'll be on your mind the whole time. So I think I'll do that. This is it. And the cool thing about this one is you know the word, but you probably won't be able to get it. It's and it, it, all of them almost all scrabble problems have a blank in it to make it more difficult. So because you have to change it to a letter and then you also have to anagram it. And so this one's A, C, D, N, S, T, U, blank. And there's only one anagram of it. And it's a very good anagram. And you probably won't be able to get it. And you probably won't be able to get it. Thanks. Right. But that one is doable, is doable. Not to discourage you from trying to get it. I'll tell you, uncasted is not good, unfortunately. Oh. Uncast is the actual word, which most everybody guesses uncasted must be the word, but it's not. 
I like the way he kept saying that I probably wouldn't get it. I really appreciate that, Stephen. Well, you know what? I sure showed him that he was correct because I didn't get it, but I probably would have gotten it. I just happened to not get it. No, but seriously, it, it it's a pretty tough one. Um, you will probably recognize the word, uh, but I doubt you've said it today um, or this week or maybe ever. I don't know, but give it your best shot. So it's just imagine the word uncasted and subtract the E there towards the end and just turn it into a blank. And that's that's the letters. Now let's hear a bit more about his experience in his, uh, his first non-scholastic National Scrabble tournament. When I went to the tournament, um, I was just wanting to just have a good time because there's over there's over a hundred people in my division. It was the fourth fourth division out of six, and so I, I I wasn't really expected to do very well. But you know, I was just there to have fun and, and experience nationals. And I actually started out pretty much mediocre for the first two days. And you play seven games each day, so you play seven games, seven games, and then you play seven games again, seven games again, and then you play three games to end it off. So it's 31 games. It's a lot of games to Scrabble. <laughs> but it, you know, and so afterwards you're just kind of burned out from Scrabble. But um, there, there are tournaments with even more games, even if you believe that. Um, actually ended up being nine and nine through um, 18 games. And I was thinking, you know, I really, um, I'm just hoping that I can at least be above 500. That was my goal was to be above 500. Um, but I, I started playing and I and I started winning a lot of my games. I won the last three of that day and then I won my next four games. Um, so I won seven in a row. And so I was I was getting back up into, I was 16 and nine, which actually brought me up to about like 20th place, I believe, or, or like 15th place. And I was really excited about that. And I was gonna finish off the day with three games and then we had three games the next day. So I think I was, I was in 20th place. But there was this one guy who was so far ahead of everybody. I mean, he was five games ahead of me. So I was like, well, I'm definitely not going to get first. You know, he was a younger guy. And, uh, you know, every he, he stayed on board one the entire time. He was on board one from start to finish. And he had kind of the demeanor of a winner. He even had a cousin who was in the first division who they would come and hang around him. And he was the guy who everybody knew, oh, he's going to win. Yeah, he's gonna win. Obviously, he's he's the best. And so, and I was five games behind him, and I was like, well, he has to lose at least five of his games, and there's no way that's gonna happen. And um, but I was just having fun, and I was doing very well, and I had and I drew every Z tile in those seven games. And so, um, I and I'd already lost a couple of times to one of the guys, this guy named Scott Garner, who we have a very epic duel against each other. If you look at our head-to-head, -head, we're very, very uh, closely matched. But anyways, at this point in time, I was really dreading to have play him again, and I heard that there's a good chance that we might have to play again because we were kind of paired up. We were right next to each other all the time. And um, But I ended up barely squeaking by and winning the last three games of that day. So there's only three games left, and I found out that Phil had lost all three of his games. And I was thinking... Yeah, Phil Wertheimer, who was up in, in first. So he, uh, there's a good chance that he actually, um, you know, there, maybe I could end up meeting him. And um, But um, I was thinking that my, my streak was probably over at this point in time because I found out after 
that day they, they post who you're gonna be playing the next day. So I found out I was going to be playing Scott Garner and that was just like a, um, I was just really not excited about that because he had demolished me both games and so, but we played and it was a very, very close game and I drew the Z very close to the end of the game and it almost seemed like I was not doing very well and then I drew the Z and I was able to play some ridiculously high scoring word, you know, um, I'm trying to remember, I think I played this word, nuds was the word, N-U-D-Z-H was the word. And I just remembered it and I, I, I was like, oh, well, I can play that perfectly right there. It makes five other words going different, you know, different ways there. And I scored like a hundred points, not even playing all my dials. And it was just kind of game over at that point in time. So it was a very, very fun game. And so I was really happy to beat him. And um, Phil won his first game. So I was thinking, well, course he's gonna win the rest of his games um, and then I played somebody who had won the exact same amount of games as I had in a row I was I had won like nine in a row at this point or ten in a row at this point in time and maybe eleven but she had also won like actually 14 in a row and I was like oh my goodness there's no way I'm gonna beat her but that was a crazy game because I've never had a situation like this before but I actually I saw a word on my on my rack and I was thinking well I, I know this is a word, but I've never seen it before. <laughs> that was the that was the kind of realization that I had. And so I played boomiest and I even knew what it meant. I knew it meant showy, I mean showiest basically. And so I played it and she challenged it and it was good. And I was very confident that was good. And I ended up winning the game because of that play. And it was just awesome that I, I was kept my streak going. And it turns out that Phil lost to Scott Garner in the next round and that I was going to be playing for first place against Phil Wertheimer. So first time, uh, we, we had actually already played a couple of times and um, he beat me both times as well. And so I was like, goodness gracious, there's no way I'm gonna beat this guy. <laughs> but we, we shook hands at the beginning of the game and um, we were like, no pressure, but there's about $1,500 on the line just for this game. But all right, here we go. <laughs> I jumped right into the game. And um, it was a really good game. It was extremely tight. Uh, we, I, I drew a blank and played all my letters and he drew a blank and played all of his letters. And it was very, it came down to the very end of the game and he um, missed a play that would have won him the game. And so I ended up winning by like a few points there, but it was very, yeah, very was. fun. Yeah, it was it just a, it was just a very fun, fun thing because I played the three people who I absolutely didn't want to play and it ended up being okay. <laughs> so. So he won that national tournament in his division. Um, he goes on to play other national tournaments. He gets up to, I think the second division with his best tournament, he being in, uh, he was in second place in division two. A Scrabble expert has a rating of 1600 and above, and I think he peaked at around 1700. So we'll hear a little bit more from him about strategies, but uh, before that, it's time for our second puzzle. Puzzle two. It's worth the hypo. So in this puzzle, you've got your seven Scrabble tiles on your rack. And you notice that with those seven tiles, you can make words um, of seven letters or less that would score every point value from two to 15, just on their own, not counting anything you know like bingos or special tiles or anything. So I'll give you the most obscure word, and that's the 12-point word, hypo. H-Y-P-O. 
I didn't know that it was a word on its own. I mean, you may know it as a prefix for other words like hypothermia, hypochondriac, hypocrite, hippopotamus. I think I veered off course there, but hypo is also a word on its own. So the H is worth four points, the Y is worth four points, the P is three points, and the O is one point, so that's 12 points. But that's four out of the seven letters, so I'll give you one other word, and that's a, a seven-point word. Hoot. H-O-O-T. The H is worth four, the others are uh, one each, so that's seven points. So with that information, you have one tile that you don't know at this point. Uh, so can you find out what the missing tile is and what the rest of the words would be from two points to fifteen points? And of course, you know, you can look online at the Scrabble tile point values to help you out. So he mentioned early on memorizing the two-letter words, so I asked him a little bit about that. It's only about 100. It's not too many. And you actually probably know, just normally, most people would know uh, at least about 60 or 70 of them. So there's only about 30 or so that you would need to learn. Like AB is one of the very first ones. Like, And then some people know AA, which is a type of lava, but some people... Don't know that one. That's not a very. That's not. A, yeah, not not the most common one, but there are definitely plenty of ones that you you would know. So fortunately, there's no C or V two-letter words. I know they kind of just kill kill the board. In fact, it's good to have those tiles when you're winning because you can just clog up part of the board or whatever it is. So. Well, one of the studying that was really useful that I did, and it sticks with you. This one you only really have to study once, but all the three-letter words, so two letters and then three letters next, and there's about a thousand three-letter words, and it's almost exactly a thousand. I think the new dictionary just added about 30 or 40, and so it's probably about a thousand forty now. Um, and then there's um, also then learning the four-letter words, which I definitely don't have the four-letter words memorized. They're very, it's very difficult because Probably only 25% of them do people know. A lot of them are plurals of three-letter words that are complex, complex, and other ones are very strange words. Um, some of them you can kind of remember, even though you hadn't seen them before, but they kind of make sense. Like L high is good for some reason, which is elementary and high school. And, you know, certain things like that are uh, easy to remember, but um, other ones are very hard to remember, like... You know, K-A-N-E, there's the, all these four-letter K words that aren't hardly used at all. And, you know, but there's, you know, 500, you know, 300 of them or, you know, there's so many of them. So um, as far as useful four-letter words, you know, you after playing a whole bunch, you remember all of those. But it is probably the next most useful thing to learn were the, are the four-letter words. So second, two-letter words are the most useful, three letters, then four letters. And then it jumps all the way to seven letter words are the next useful ones to learn because you want to be able to play all of your all of your tiles. So it is pretty interesting though. The way you study seven letter words is there's a program that studies probability. And so you just study the highest probability seven letter words. So like number one would be a word, I think it's aneroid or something like that, where it's A-N-E-R-O-I-D. And it's a word that's very commonly seen because there's lots of A's, there's lots of E's. Usually you try to keep those tiles. When you're playing all of your tiles, that's called bingoing. When you bingo, you play all seven of your tiles. So um, if you play it two times in a row, it's called bingo bango. And then if you th do it three times in a row, it's bingo bango bongo. And after that, then you can just pretty much fill in any bungo, <laughs> bazingo, whatever it is. So 
one thing that um, when you're first starting to play, you don't really think about in Scrabble, but um, leaving yourself good tiles and maybe doing a play that doesn't score as much, but um, can leave you a, a better rack for the next uh, turn is, is one of the most useful things you can do. So you may want to, like if you have a W and you have a U in your rack, those aren't very good together. So you may want to play on one turn your U and then play your the word with the a word with the W later, or vice versa. So you probably don't want to leave them together. Or if you have, you know, six vowels or seven vowels, you may want to exchange almost all of your tiles, so that way you have a better chance of having more balanced rack of consonants and vowels. So that's probably the first thing I'd say. <clears throat> and as you play the game and you're leaving yourself good tiles over and over again, you're more likely to play all your tiles. So sometimes you, when you're playing at the higher level, people will play maybe two or three turns and then bingo, and then play two or three turns and then bingo because they're doing these preparation turns. And you get this 50 point bonus if you play all of them. So you really want to be able to play all your tiles. After that, probably hot spots, knowing where the hot spots are on the board and knowing what to do with them and like, okay, you know, I want to play in this other spot, but right now the triple word score is wide open. And, you know, so I, I want to take care of that instead. So just being able to play defensively, those are some, some strategies to think about. Total, my best scoring game, on average, I score about 400. And I usually let my, I mute, I'm a pretty defensive player. And so a lot of people, their average is about 400 or higher actually, but my opponents, I usually keep to about 370, 380. So I kind of make the board how I want it and not let them do anything with it. And that's usually how I play, but sometimes I'll play more openness, just I don't know very many words. And so people will start throwing out seven letter words and here and there that I don't know. And so I start playing out of my comfort zone. But my highest scoring game was 642. So it was a I have, uh, there's a lot of players I know who have scored much higher than that, but 642, and that happened because I literally got, I played ZA for like 60, QI for like 60, XI just like on this game for, you know, 50. And, and so I was playing all these small words that got me a whole bunch of points. And then I triple tripled in the game as well, where you do the times nine and everything. And so I just ended up being just a, a brutal game. I think I only played all my letters twice in that game. and. I've played all my letters five times in the game. It's very common actually to play three or four bingos in the same game. So, you know, one thing that's interesting about Scrabble is that a lot of people think it's a, a word game, you know, it's, it is a word game. I mean, it's actually, you know, called the crossword game, but I'm not very good at a lot of things having to do with reading or, you know, writing or, Vocabulary is probably about average, not maybe maybe a little bit above average because of Scrabble, but not much better. And it's really just a math game, trying to figure out okay, what's the best way I can score as many points as possible using a valid, you know, arrangement of tiles. So, and you don't have to know the words what they mean. It's right. just kind of like what, yeah, what pattern do I see in this, you know? And so there's lots of patterns and probabilities. You kind of think, okay, so like, for example, with the Q, what I, I would have used a lot of probability there because I'm thinking, okay, there's been no use played so far. There's four use left in the back. It's probably a good chance that I can draw a U. So as I mentioned earlier, we were actually playing a game of Scrabble 
while the interview was going on. And yeah, I basically play a phony word on my first turn. And then he plays only two of his tiles and makes over 50 points. But, you know, I'm hanging in there um, within 100 points maybe or so, I guess. And and then he has a pretty big play. I, I can definitely play all my letters. I have the word frontier right here. 80 points. Woo! <laughs> But then I make my amazing play right after that. Oh, I can't. Oh, wait. Frontiering? Oh, my goodness. That is amazing. That's an 11 letter word. Is frontiering good? I guess so. I don't know. Oh, no. I, I don't want to rain on parade because that sounds. It looks so good. I hope frontiering is good because that's awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> I wish it was good. I should just let it go. They're like, yeah, it's, it's good. <laughs> oh my gosh. That was cool though. Got a, got a hashtag frontiering is so over. <laughs> so, you know, clearly I'm a little ahead of my time. I'm even frontiering some new words. You know, one of my good friends, um, uh, it, who was my mentor, um, Mike Early, he's, um, he is, very interesting guy. He's, he's extremely, extremely smart. Um, but what he's noted for is playing fake words all the time on me and getting away with it because that, and that is a strategy, you know, there's some one division one players who, who, what they call sandbag, basically drop to the lower division and try to win that lower division. But there's one player who, who dropped to a lower division and basically phonied is what they call phony is the fake words phonied his way all the way through the second division and won handily because nobody knew if it was a word or not. And if they thought it didn't look feasible, they would challenge and it ends up being a word. And if it looked feasible, it ends up not being a word. And so, but yeah, I, I try to play the game pure, like not, not play any fake words or anything, but um, sometimes I'll let, I'll let Boasty go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Final score, I got 263, he got 487. Good game, Steven. But I really do appreciate him giving his time to share some things. And actually, there's a little bit more, a couple of fun stories and another crazy puzzle that he managed to stump all of his Scrabble expert friends with. So you can uh, hear that next episode. But for now, I have got your third puzzle, and this is the lateral thinking puzzle this week. Puzzle three. I have no words. Lily applied for a job at a prestigious scientific institution. She got the job, in spite of being completely illiterate. In fact, that was a plus. Why? And once more, Lily applied for a job at a prestigious scientific institution. She got the job, in spite of being completely illiterate. In fact, that was a plus. Why? Okay, that's it for this week. You can visit the website at braindroppodcast.com for a refresher on this week's puzzles. And you can send in your solutions, suggest a puzzle for a future episode, or sign my petition to make frontiering a word by sending an email to puzzles at braindroppodcast.com. You can follow me on Facebook and Twitter at braindroppuzzle. Finally, please consider leaving a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts or telling your friends about the show. I found out that Spotify recently allows ratings, so you could uh, give it some stars there, however many stars you happen to have on you. All right, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Brian Hobbs.
So what does NUDS mean anyway? Oh, NUDS, N-U-D-Z-H. I don't know exactly what that means. I just, it means 100 points. 